0: Let's dive into today's topic. Got my good old friend Lacey here, Lacey Partipello. Good to have you back on the podcast.
1: Good to be here.
0: I always like to do topics with you that can live forever, you know, and I've been wanting to do forever. You know, how a lot of a lot of podcasts out there will do like what's in the news mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. The why I haven't done that, and, and listeners, I'm trying to explain to you why I haven't really done a whole lot of that is because a lot of it has a shelf life and it just can't live on forever. And I try to I try to create content that you can get value from, regardless if you listen to this in three months from now. So today, Lacey and I are going to go over. Three articles that we found that touch on workplaces, touch on HR some capacity, and these are pretty basic topics where so they don't yeah. like they won't be expired after a week from now, right? The stuff will live on. Okay, good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna p- start things off. I found an article in SHRM, so Society Human Resource Management, and this. I'm going to nerd it out with you, Lacey. I hope you don't <laughs> well, mind. Well, when
1: you sent this to me, I'm like, this is totally a Brandon <laughs> totally article. <laughs> um,
0: it's not going away. And that, that's the thing is, okay, so the this, this title is Artificial Intelligence Comes to HR as a Conversation. It's by Josh Burson. And okay, so I'll just give you a synopsis. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about all this stuff. So in the article, Josh mentions that a lot of money is being invested uh, by organizations, not necessarily HR focused at all, but in artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Okay. So lots of money is going to artificial intelligence. And he states that a lot of HR software companies are already making AI part of their strategy. Okay. So money's being dumped into it. They're thinking about AI at some capacity. And uh, Burson states in the article that once AI starts to become embedded. So it's a strategy, maybe an idea at this point. Once it actually becomes embedded in some of our HR software and systems that we're using, the platforms will probably start to predict who to hire, mm-hmm. what what next job we should take, maybe what we should make from a salary standpoint, what training to have based on companies, uh, when you can expect some risk or fraud. So like, just basically take the data from the AI and then we start to make some predictions about what's to happen from a people standpoint. I know, it's crazy, crazy it's- right? He gives this example, and I took it right from the articles, so I want to give him credit for this. So he goes on to say that HR systems, especially first off, they'll become conversational. So nowadays you would go like to your manager or your HR person to flag for uh planning PTO or something, right? You'd send an email and then you wait a week and probably finally hear back from your manager. Okay. It's been approved. They're saying that with AI systems, you would have like a conversation with a bot or something. Mm -hmm. So like you go to like this live chat within a platform and employee would say, I'd like to take Friday as a vacation. And then the AI or the bot would reply, you have two scheduled meetings on Friday. (laughs) Employee says, can you cancel them please? Computer or bot says, yes, meeting's canceled. Should I request paid time off? Employee says, yes, please. Bot says, requesting manager approval. Employee, thank you. Bot, your manager has approved. You're all set for PTO on Friday. It's crazy. That doesn't seem too far-fetched, right? It's definitely like a difference from what what we're... What we do now? Well, and
1: it's integrated. That's the cool yeah. thing. And what? And I mean, I'm thinking about this. You know, just just on the topic of of just vacation request. I mean, you think about staffing, right? So, yeah. like, if you're in a small company or a small team, what if somebody else already has the day off? And so, you know, I think about how we do it here, and we're we're sending Outlook invitations, so it's already on <laughs> people's know. calendars. Just so you can see. Yeah. It. So I look there first. Is anybody else going to be out? If not, then I could, I, you know, I can send the email to my manager. Some companies have. PTO requests through their payroll platform. But this, this integrated way of looking at it, I think it just makes sure that things don't get missed, that, that yeah. a, a payroll platform isn't going to be able You're to catch. You're
0: saying humans make mistakes. Yeah. Well, we do. We do. But <laughs> I, I do think the way I kind of look at like the way technology is meant to, to operate, because I see it a lot in my role, like I'm in marketing. Everything's so digital now. Like I spend a lot more time behind a computer operating software than I do talking with people. And that's Or yeah. sending pamphlets out. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, there are software. What it does is it it streamlines and makes efficient, really basic tasks. In this case, like having a person-to-person conversation for something as as simple as I need to request a time, a pay, like a day off. Well, if you could have a bot like check schedules, check your balance, all within like a matter of microseconds doesn't that make more sense? Like, cause then it frees up the HR director or the manager to do the work that uh, is more meaningful.
1: Yeah, I do. There's a part of me though. And this <laughs> is just, I don't know. I'm a people person. So I know. that, that I would just worry that then what about, and we're going to talk about, you know, having relationships, you know, between manager and employee and why that's so important in a minute in one of these other articles. But how do you, if, if we just outsource all of the interaction right. to technology, I think the the pieces that are so important and fundamental between a manager and a direct report, um, that goes away. And mm-hmm. then the really difficult conversations that are going to come up that a bot's not going to be able to, to sure. handle... Um, They're harder to have because you don't have the foundation for the other stuff. So that's the piece that I just, I don't know. It it makes me a little uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) So I think about like, especially when you're internal culture stuff or just experience from an internal standpoint and then external, I kind of think of it the same way. Like you want to be able to control the experience that people are having in a very consistent way. And that sort of becomes your internal or external Mm -hmm. brand. And I think if you have bots doing very basic stuff Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me because you you'd be able to control the experience that employees are having versus if you have a bunch of different managers like you're an employee i'm an employee we report to different people and we have to ask for let's say we're asking for pto from our managers and your manager does it so differently than my manager you may hear back instantly i may hear back in two weeks or maybe something's missed i I think it's hard to control the experience when you're talking about stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I I agree. I think for the fundamental things, and I think about, you know, stuff that we're doing even to support clients that are just a lot of back and forth communication that could be handled by some type of AI um, tool. I think there is definitely a place for it. But, you know, just putting it out there that I don't think that it can really replace the no, the culture yeah. and, totally, and the totally. relationship between and I, people. And I'm
0: really work. saying where it could be valuable for very basic tasks mm-hmm. and where it frees you up to do something that's better. And that's what economics is all about, mm-hmm. right? You like, high and best use, it's, it's ultimately like, if something can do it better than the old way of doing it, let's do the new way and then free up the person to do something that's, that's, More meaningful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, that's what I think we should do. I'm actually going through this experience, and from a marketing standpoint, um, the way people interact with us from like a sales standpoint, like inquire. I actually installed a a bot or like a chat, like a live chat. It's called Drift, and there's a bunch of different ones out there, but I thought this one was unique because. It has a bot component to it, where if you have somebody coming to our website, for example, and I'm trying to translate this to the to how you'd use it from an HR standpoint, uh, but say somebody goes there and they ask a question, or the bot prompts like, "Hey, are you a client? Are you not a client? Are you an employee?" Like, ask it a series of questions, and then the responses then uh, prompts another set of questions based on the criteria that they're providing. Yeah. So. I think it's cool. It's these tools are becoming so ubiquitous because the costs are pretty cheap mm-hmm. nowadays. To to like this this live chat feature, I, it was free for the baseline thing, yeah. and then for for the bot components, it's more expensive, but. I see this becoming a trend.
1: Well, yeah, and employers, you know, I have clients that we're putting together FAQs and things for new hires. So to have it be an interactive experience where someone could ask a question and rather than having to go look on some intranet for some document where it's maybe even outdated to keep all that stuff up to date, I could see a ton of value in that in terms of just sharing information with employees, being able to ask questions about policies and Mm -hmm. things like that, that um, there could be some value in that too. Well,
0: imagine like, okay, I, this happens to me all the time. Like, oh, I can't remember what holidays we get off that are paid. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine going to like a bot and saying like, instead of like having to f- find your handbook somewhere, you go to the bot and you say, remind me which holidays I get off again, or or do I get off Martin Luther King Day, or do I get off 4th of July? Like those kind of questions. And it, it gives you a fast response. Right, because automatic. the content's
1: <laughs> already been created in the handbook or whatever yeah. extra, you know, SOPs and, and policies that you have. So there, yeah. I think there could be some value in it. In yeah. That, and I know way. people
0: love the people component to HR uh, or the or managers when they're touching questions like that. But it's, to me, this is my personal opinion though, that I'm putting myself out there. I think it's a waste of time to be able to <laughs> to respond back with, oh, let me check into that for you. Right. And then you, like a week later, you're like, yep, you get 4th of July off and... Yeah, it'd be nice to
1: get the the information to people in real time. And when you're, you know, as an HR person, sometimes you have to prioritize, you've got multiple things coming in. And what's the highest risk, highest value thing for me to be doing. And it's probably not answering a question about, you know, a a policy. So that maybe falls down and maybe it gets missed. And then Mm -hmm. employees are feeling like their questions aren't getting answered, and they become disengaged. And I mean, it it could go really sideways. So I think it it could be a cool tool.
0: Yeah. And I think like, the I see the other benefits I see is a lot of data. Mm-hmm. So you see how people are interacting with it, what kind of questions they're asking. So you can like, you know, provide more clarification if there's a lot of the same questions coming up. And then I think as a lot more millennials enter the workforce and become in leadership positions or whatever, this this is gonna become the norm. Like people just want to interact with technology for this kind of stuff. So yeah, those are my two cents. Okay, let's okay. move on. Your okay. article is... So
1: I found an article. This is also from Society of uh, for Human Resource Management, SHRM. Um, this one actually just came out last month, and it's written by Christina Foles, um, The 10 Biggest Mistakes New HR Professionals Ooh. Make. So I have a team of folks that are um, newer in their HR career that um, I'm supporting and developing. And having grown up here at Zenium and the Stoller Group, I just can so remember being new and wanting to have all the answers and feeling like you're going to mess up all the time. And so just the things that this article talks about just really resonated with me. So um, I'll just maybe list off the 10 um, and then we can talk in detail about a few. So number one, not balancing between employee advocate and company rep. Two, being too friendly. Three, sharing confidential information. Four, forgetting that your employees are human. Number five, believing HR is one size fits all. Number six is having a know-it-all attitude. Seven, failing to take the position seriously. Eight, believing that a degree equals experience. (laughs) That is tough (laughs) stuff. Uh, Nine, underestimating the importance of compliance. And 10, not thinking beyond HR. So, Which ones do you want to hit? So let's start, let's just talk about number four first. Yeah, Cause it's forgetting just that
0: about, your employees are human. It
1: is so important. So we, you know, if you're in a large organization and it is a tough job. These these roles that we have in terms of supporting the business, supporting employees, it is hard. But I think what sets apart the the best HR professionals are the ones that really see people as a resource, but also that we're human. And so having this mentality that people are just a means to an end i think you're not able to get the best work out of out of people and i really see my role as trying to share with managers and and business owners that people really can be the most valuable resource and treating people kindly and with respect and understanding that you know we're all just doing the best we can is a huge help in the in the article it talks about you know saying that not digging deeper to understand the employees they support Mm -hmm. and treating them like numbers on a spreadsheet or just a resource that that yeah. is the biggest mistake. And really people, they they are a resource for us, but not just a number. We have families and experiences and circumstances that come up. And I think all of that plays yeah. into how we make decisions about those people.
0: I, I resonate with this point so much because not only obviously do I want to have deep relationships with our people because I think it's part of our culture. On the sales marketing side, I often think about this a lot because often you hear like the B2B or the B2C, which means business to consumer, business to business, sales, right? And I'm like, let's throw that out the window. It's human to human. Totally. We're all humans. Regardless if you're selling to a business, you're still selling to a human at the end of the day. And it's like when people reach out to me, I get sold to a lot, just in my role. And at the end of the day, they're those people reaching out to me. I could be rude. <laughs> Uh, in response, but like, I, I know what it's like to be on their side and they're humans. They're, they're trying to hit goals. They're trying to like, they're trying to do all these things. Like you don't have to be like a non-human about it and like mm-hmm. treat them like they're a like some entity or something. They're, yeah. they're a human being. Well,
1: I think having empathy and and being relatable is really important too in this role. So, um, and we do that. I mean, when we're trying to match the right um, service team, so our business partners, payroll specialists, with clients, we really do. I think look at that that human aspect. And I think you know, being able to be flexible is important because in HR you're going to deal with a wide variety of people. But just keeping in mind that even my own experiences, remembering that I'm human too. Um, That's playing into my decision making and my ability to remain impartial through decisions and when I make recommendations. So, um, okay. so uh, the other one we I thought we could talk about is number five, believing HR is one size fits Mm. all. So I feel a little biased about this one only because I, you know, I'm currently supporting 30 ish. Different clients, different industries, different, different sizes, yeah. different revenues. Their needs at, are different. Yeah, totally. And i've I've probably supported, um, I don't even know how many in the last ten years. Different different organizations. And you know, we I think have shifted and grown um, as an organization here at Zenium. And while it's important to be scalable and try to be efficient and not overly Temp- customized, I know. I know. Yeah, and you don't want to do that. It, I think organizations are more savvy now. And, you know, if you're a new HR person um, in your career, just knowing that everything that you maybe heard about in school or you're reading about online or hearing about in podcasts, it may not work for your company. And that could be for. A variety of reasons That's good um, so just paying attention to that, I think is important um, asking for feedback what 's working what 's not working don 't get hung up on you know if something didn 't work out yeah. because it 's cool to try things, test it out and and see what happens.
0: I resonate with this one too, just because we've i 've seen it on the the client side where we 've had a lot of success over the last few years, special specifically with our h uh, r consulting uh, that we offer. Is that when we go in from a sales standpoint, we don't just like hand them the playbook and say, "Hey, here's the Zenium way, do it." <laughs> we actually like we'll sit there for an hour, probably listening to what their 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 pain points or where they want to go as a business, mm-hmm. and we truly try to s- have a seat at the table with them and say, "Okay, you want to this is where you want to go as a company. Here's what you want from a people standpoint. Okay, uh, let's customize a program based on your vision." And I think. HR internally is no different. Mm-hmm. It's we have unique business needs. You know, HR doesn't need to be consistent across the board for every single company. It's so vastly different. Different people, different culture, different laws, different different everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where the organization is at in their life cycle is a huge part of it. Because what might not work right now could work two years from now. So just yeah. remaining nimble and flexible is yep. important.
0: The one, one other thing I'd say about just the HR is one size fits all comment is that HR people need to have really good business acumen. I think Absolutely. this is where if you really truly want to deeply understand this point, it means if you want to see at the table and you want to go where the business is going and you want to be able to provide people resources and, and you know all that stuff, that's going to help the business get to that, that area. You need to understand the business and yeah. what the needs are. Yeah,
1: what the needs are, what the pain points are. Yeah. Um, I think that's incredibly important. Okay. So last one here. Um, Number eight, believing a degree equals experience. So yikes, uh, this is a tough one. It is so hard. And I remember some of our senior people here. So like Tana and Susie and some of the people that I've just learned and grown from saying to me, you know, when I was just so frustrated and like, when am I, when am I just going to know it? When is it, when is it not going to feel uncomfortable? When am I not going to be worried anymore? And just hearing, it's going to come with experience. Like yeah. there's no replacement, there's no classes, there's no degree, you know, that you can take. I I really believe all that stuff supports, but does, there's yeah. nothing like... It f-
0: might accelerate it too. Like if you have Absolutely. all the, the classroom knowledge, it might ex- accelerate where you, you end mm-hmm. up. But yeah, and I agree. I think
1: it's, it's, points of reference, maybe as you're experiencing things. But I think the, the best learning that I have had, um, has come from really challenging situations that have built sturdy shoulders. So um, when something comes up, I now have a mentality of bring it on. Like I'm going to learn from this. Um, We're going to grow together. We're going to learn through it. Um, It might be uncomfortable, but I think that's where the best learning happens. And that mentality has probably only happened for me in the last maybe three or four years. Really in the first... You know, five six years of of my career in HR, um, yeah. wanting to have all the answers, I think came from a feeling of thinking that I had all this classroom knowledge that I've acquired, and I'm going <laughs> to all these classes, even here at Zenium, and I'm reading and I'm trying. Um, why don't I get it? Well, it's yeah. because it, we're dealing with people, so you need people experiences to help put it all together.
0: Your field is in HR is such a tough one because the experience seems to be everything. I remember taking a class a uh, human resource class in college there was just one class <laughs> and we literally went over like just definitions of stuff and laws it was so boring <laughs> and I think half the people were probably asleep and yeah. it was you know it was undergrad so I, I get it but if you don't have the experience part how do you like how do you pair the definitions that you've learned and yeah. all the theory or psychology whatever? With like real world you issues have have that businesses are having. Yeah. A
1: good example is so my undergrad is in psychology. So I had a Go much figure. yeah, I had a much greater interest <laughs> in people than anything related to business. In fact, took one business class and thought I am not gonna oh, have a best. career in anything related to business. What? I know, isn't that How funny? Dare you? So now I'm and now I'm doing HR. But what's interesting is is when I came over to Zenium after having a few years doing recruiting I was planning on sitting to take my PHR. So I'm doing the study groups, reading the books, and I – it was so hard – I did not get it. It, I couldn't get it to sink in. And I think it's because I didn't have those experiential learning examples where I could say, okay, I've supported an employee through a really tough FMLA situation. I'm trying to memorize these laws and how they work, but being able to see the application of it, I think, is a really great way for for HR folks to learn. So if you're out there and you're new and you just graduated – Just know like everyone told me it's gonna come. It'll it'll come with time, but the experience is where where the good stuff is.
0: I I'm gonna be vulnerable for a second. So I've had I think I've probably told you this in the past, but I went there was a period probably four or five years ago where I was really considering going to get my MBA, right? Was already down the marketing path and I had so much on the job experience and I read a ton of books. You know, a lot of mostly nonfiction stuff, whether it's leadership, HR, or marketing, and I felt like I was I was getting enough like sort of like textbook theory definitions that kind of stuff. And then I was I have so much freedom here where I'm able to create, I'm able to just kind of go off and do whatever I want from a marketing standpoint to help you know generate leads and create our brand. So I was like, at this point, I've got two kids. I'm like is really going back and uh. getting a degree. And you're cringing because I think everybody goes through this where they're like, they're at a crossroads. They're like, is this going to help me or is it not? Mm-hmm. And if I get this, does it mean I'm like,
1: elevated? I've arrived. Right. I've
0: arrived. I'm like the best <laughs> marketer in the world now. And for me, and it's going to be different for everybody. For me, I made the decision not to. And maybe that'll change in the future. But I feel like I've got a great thing going on. And I felt like the experience was the most important thing for me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I've actually thought not necessarily about the MBA because everyone now knows how I feel about business classes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've thought, you know, I've dealt with a lot of really sticky situations that have ended up some even in litigation, and thought wow. maybe I'd go to law school. Like if I was going to oh, do something geez. else, maybe that would be, you know, what what I would think about doing. And I just feel like for me right now, I am. I just love the work that I'm doing, and. I'm still getting to interact in a way with attorneys and and with some of these things that I'm having to deal with with supporting my clients and This is not the right time for me to do that. I've also got a young one and appreciate having my my free time when I do. So I think the experiences that that we gain here, um, especially in this kind of environment where it really is, you know, we we joke about it's like, you know, your learning is in dog years when you do consulting work because it's just, it's a lot and a lot of variety that you maybe wouldn't get when you're internal. But that experience is important.
0: One last thing I'd say on this point cuz I think it's such a huge one especially if we're talking to to people who might be still be in college or think about going back to school. If you think like you're going to go get a degree in whatever it may be and you haven't done any sort of like real world experience while you're you're studying yes. like an internship for example or I don't know. Like I was able to do kind of an internship while I was in school for business management, right? So I had like a summer thing where I was able to get real world management experience to say, "Wow, this is for me," or "This is not for Mm me." I I advise people to do that because if they just go through school, get their degree, and then all of a sudden, like, "Wow, I hate this. Why did I do this?" And then then they spent all that time, all that energy. And it didn't... Degree did not equal experience. It doesn't. They were miserable. And you
1: may be picking something that isn't even aligned with what your true interests are. So, you know, just... Seek those people out. There are so many organizations that offer um, mentorship that will allow people to, you know, talk with some of their senior people and and talk about where they've been and what they've done. I think get as much information as you can from people who've done done the jobs that you're considering um, before you, you know, finish those programs.
0: Anything else on this article you want to? I don't touch think on? so. I think we could okay. jump to the last one. Okay. Right. Right. So my last article, I actually found this. Okay, for those if you don't. Get on medium and subscribe. I love medium because it's a bunch of like just free thinking people. Maybe they're affiliated with an organization, maybe they're just just like to write. But there's so much good content on there. So I found one that was pretty simplistic, but there's some good nuggets in there. It was uh it's called Why One-on-One Meetings Are Your Most Important Work Meeting, and it's by Jose Batista. He had a quote in here, and then he had some other points that I just want to I'll bring up and we can discuss it. He says uh, just about one-on-ones. One-on-ones is the best way for managers and leaders to connect with their team members on pressing issues, develop a strong relationship, create a culture that facilitates feedback and open communication, and ensures that team members feel like they're working towards their goals. I love it. Do you agree with that or what? I think it hits on all the points that I would think should come out of a one-on-one. And
1: I especially appreciate the piece about feedback. And I think it's both ways. It's opportunity for manager to get clear with the employee about what's working and maybe what's not totally. and for the employee to have this open space to share with the manager you know these are the resources that i'm not getting that i need this is what you could do better for me yeah. to support me to get these goals accomplished i i totally agree i one of the other things he says in here you spend so much time finding great people it's worth it to help them grow to be the best they can be and with the way that the talent market is, I mean, we talk about that all the time, I feel like yep. every podcast we do. But it's <laughs> yeah, true, so there true. there aren't enough talented people to fill the skilled jobs that, are, that we have available. So if you've got great people, retain them. And there are so many statistics out there. Gallup does research on this all the time around engagement. And Managers that don't give feedback to employees are. There's a 98% chance that those folks are not going to rate that they're engaged. And disengaged employees leave organizations. Um, they create conflict and issues in organizations. So, being engaged and talking with your people, um, not just about the work. That's the other thing I wanted to point out. Is yeah. um, he gives some tips about you know how to frame up these one-on-one meetings, how to get the most out of them, and. I think there's a place to talk about what's on people's plates and it depends obviously on, on the job and you know, the relationship, but focusing on the future and growth and giving feedback and building trust and remembering that your employee is a human, all those things that yeah, you have talked yeah, about. Exactly. I think that's where the, the best um yeah. meet is in those
0: meetings. I agree. There's uh, he had like a list of I wanna say like ten or twelve reasons why one-on-ones were important. Mm-hmm. And I had four that I highlighted as my favorite mm-hmm. that I just want to emphasize. So one, share feedback from both sides. And I think that's important because it's not just a one-way dialogue, like a manager is pushing information down to the employee. It's a, it's a two-way conversation. So feedback should come from both ways. Like if I'm an employee and I'm with my manager to say, Hey, you know what? I don't like to be communicated this way. Mm-hmm. Or I I don't like when you, you dump something on my desk and just be able to provide a forum where uh, two-way dialogue is good. Highlight good performance. So obviously reward uh, the good behavior yeah. or, the, or the good performance. I like that. Uh, address issues before they become serious. I wanted to highlight this the most because it goes back to your point about just the direct feedback. Before you and I started this podcast, I interviewed Susie Alligud on just the whole harassment thing that's mm-hmm. becoming so ubiquitous in nature. Uh, it's touching every organization, it seems like, where it's on people's minds. And I think uh, her point was a lot of this is becoming such an issue because direct, like people weren't willing to go direct. Yep. And it just stews and stews. And then all of a sudden, there's a complaint. Mm-hmm. And it's like you could not nip that right in the bud immediately if you just had an open dialogue. And I think for a lot of people, they just they're not comfortable doing it. They don't know how to give direct feedback. They feel like somebody's going to be defensive, whatever. But one on ones are a great place to address Absolutely. these issues
1: because you don't want employees to be surprised when they find out that their job is on the line or yep. come you know come up to their annual performance review and it's like, wow, I had no idea that this was an issue because my manager wasn't didn't feel confident enough to tell me. And I I generally believe most people go to work to do a good job, truly. I think people want to work hard. I agree. They want to contribute. They want to know that what they're doing is adding value. And when we give them constructive feedback to shift performance, to, to get more out of them, they're only gonna be more apt to do that. It's it's managers that withhold that constructive feedback. You get those folks that they're gonna keep doing what they're doing. So you can't yeah. expect to see a change, or they're gonna leave. And then we we may be losing someone who's who's really yeah. talented.
0: So on a similar note, there the another point that I love was reinforce company messages about vision and company changes. And I think this might be a tougher one for organizations or employers at the at the, you know, leadership executive level where they maybe don't share as much as they probably should but like if you know what your vision is and you know what goals you're supposed to be hitting okay let's roll that down to the managers and during one-on-ones they can talk about that regularly because then to your point it's like if you know where we're going you either want to get on or off and you want to give employees probably that opportunity like if I don't see the vision the same way you do or I'm just I don't want to be a part of it let me leave before it gets really awkward yeah
1: and and tying that feedback that we just talked about, to the organization's values, so here are some examples of where you've really hit it out of the park and you demonstrated our core values and I would like to give you some feedback, you know, maybe about some things that have happened where you're not really showing up, you know, and your behaviors aren't aligned. so yeah. incorporating it in in a way that is um, you know not fake and and really authentic and transparent, I think is important.
0: I wanted to end this segment by uh, asking you. What's one thing in a one-on-one that you you absolutely want to accomplish before it's like a job well done on a one-on-one, or you, you feel like you've made progress? For me,
1: it's it's asking if there's anything that I can be doing differently, hmm. um, or if there's anything that they need from me that that I can support with. So I really view my role as as a manager here at Zenium as someone who who can support people to be their best selves yep. at work and at home. And so sometimes it is about personal things, and, and a lot of times it's about work stuff. So for yeah. me, that's the most important piece.
0: That's good. I think I would, so you know, similar. I think for me, I want to make sure I'm talking about a goal. Like if we set a goal, I want to make sure that we're checking in on progress of the goal. Or if there's some like direct feedback that it's just better for in-person or something mm-hmm. about like, oh, I w- might, might've done it this way or that way. Like I, I like to do that in person versus too. just like, you know, do their work for them or something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Cause I've done that before. Um, anyways, so that was, why 101 meetings are your most important work meeting? That was on Medium by Jose Bautista. So that kind of wraps it up. This is a fun, this is fun. We should do this again. We
1: should. I think. Yeah. If the listeners liked it, we should do. Yeah. Somewhere. There's tons okay. of good articles out there.
0: We have a survey, uh, show notes on our blog, all that stuff. If you like this let us know because we could do more of those. Yeah, they those, could even
1: send us articles. Yeah. They want us to talk send us about.
0: articles that you want us to talk about. That'd be awesome. We'll kind of do like a mailbag sort there of thing. Go. So, uh, Lacey part of pillow. Thank you for being part of the podcast. Where yeah. can people find you?
1: Uh, I am on LinkedIn. My email I think is on the Zenium website. Yep. So i happy to chat with anyone.
0: Good stuff. Cool. Thanks for being part of the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.